Hi guys, welcome back to the Empowering Artists podcast. My name is Rebecca, I'm the host of this podcast, and I am so excited because today is going to be the um, first time that I've interviewed someone on the podcast. Um, I'm super excited. Um, I was um, able to interview Jess Pillay, who is a singer-songwriter from Seattle, Washington. Jess is so sweet, and it was so nice talking um, to her about just, you know, art things, finally having someone on the podcast that I'm like super excited for. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to that episode. We talked about a lot of really cool things from just, you know, how Jess became um, a musician and sort of advice she has for aspiring artists. And yeah, I'm excited for you guys to take a listen. So without further ado, here is that interview. Hello, hello. I'm so excited for today because we have uh, the very first guest of the podcast on today, and that is Jess. And yeah, I will let Jess sort of take it away. uh, You can tell us about yourself and sort of what you do. Yeah, my name is Jess Pillay. I'm a singer-songwriter from Seattle, Washington. So I've been an independent artist Um, since 2016 and I'm really honored to be on the podcast thanks for having me yeah thank you so much for being on so you have been working as an independent artist and I love that because I feel like when a lot of people introduce themselves as artists and I know I did this um, when I was first like starting out it was always um, like they would say their day job or whatever, you know, they do to support themselves. And then they're like, oh, and I also like make music on the side or, and then I also like, you know, write, um, like, you know, in the evenings. So I really like that. Um, you are, you're like, yeah, I, I'm an artist. Like that's the one and only, well, maybe not the only, but like, that's the first thing that I, I do. So, um, was 2016 when you were pursuing um, singing like full time or um, sort of how did that come to be? Yeah. So I grew up in a pretty artistic family. My mom, um, well, I should say my parents are from Fiji. And so they immigrated to the United States before I was even born. So I was born and raised here in the States. Um, But, you know, both of my parents have kind of artistic inclinations. My dad always had an interest in music and my mom was really into more visual arts. She loved drawing as a kid and neither of them ever pursued it on a professional level and certainly never thought they would ever turn it into a career because um, I think a common thing for especially immigrant families is when you leave everything behind and you come to the U.S., it's like you got to just find the stable job and, and do that thing. Right. So. So that was kind of my background, but I had been immersed in the creative spaces, specifically music, ever since I was a little kid. So I think one of the, you know, the first stories that I remember my mom even telling me is when she went to the very first uh, parent-teacher conference at school with my kindergarten teacher, and my kindergarten teacher was giving some feedback on how I was doing in, in class, and she said she sings all day. And my mom was like, oh no, you know, that's like, is that a disruption? You know, she was asking all these questions and was really concerned that maybe I was creating, um, you know, not a great learning environment for other students. 
And my teacher turned around and said, no, it's great. We love it. It's who she is. It's how she expresses herself. And that's just one of, you know, many stories of, of me being valued as an artist and a creator, even from a really young age. And then I um, grew up in a predominantly Christian family. So going to church, being immersed in the church music scene was a big part of my life. So I was always doing church choir, kids choir, those kinds of things. Um, And then by the time I got to high school, I sort of knew music is what I wanted to do professionally. So I went to college to get a music ministry degree specifically. So, you know, and I thought that I would end up being like a worship pastor or doing music ministry in a church environment. That was my career goal. And then um, halfway through my college experience, I started to really question if that was the right decision for me and if I was <clears throat> on the right track. So um, through a lot of questioning and just kind of digging deep into myself and soul searching, I realized I still love music, don't really want to do the ministry aspect of it anymore. That's not where I feel led. And I think I would, you know, enjoy telling stories in a different way. So I ended up changing my major to English and um, kind of breaking up with music for a while Mm -hmm. Um, and ended up, you know, not doing it really at all after that for quite a while. And then went through some really strong mental health challenges, I think, as a result of that, because music had kind of been my entire identity up until that point. And so when I let go of it, it was like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? I had no idea. So I had to navigate all of that. And then it really was in 2017 or 16, I should say, after starting therapy, after kind of going through a lot of other life um, things that happened that I realized, no, I really love music. And I think I'm interested in telling these stories independently as a songwriter. And so I started to explore the idea of writing my own music and doing it in a context that was not the church. And, you know, I still have huge respects, uh, amounts of respect for um, people who are doing church music, but just kind of realized that's not really where my heart was at the time. And um, so I looked up on like Craigslist of all places, tried to find a guitar teacher because I really wanted to take up guitar. I had been playing piano most of my life, um, but just kind of felt the need to rebrand and reinvent myself as a songwriter and an artist. Um, And so I did that and found this great teacher and started working with him to basically improve my singing skills as well as my piano skills and then adding guitar into the mix. And I think it was a ride around 2017 that I said, okay, I'm going to really jump into this. So I have been for the last few years since then juggling a full-time day job, which to me is, you know, the thing that pays the bills and it gives me that stability that I need. Um, And then also building my artist career uh, on the side. And so, um, you know, but it's interesting you mentioned how a lot of people will mention their day job first and then... Mm -hmm reference their side hustle. Music might be the side hustle in the financial sense for me right now, Mm -hmm. but as far as that rediscovery of that identity and how important it is in my life, I think of it as the primary. So, you know, when people ask me what I do, 
I'm an artist. I'm a songwriter. I'm a storyteller. That's what I think of myself as. And, you know, the other job is great for stability and other, um, you know, <laughs> reasons, but it's, it's really the artist expression and, and being a songwriter and a performer that I love and identify with more. That's, I love that. I just, I, there's so many people who I think it takes them a long time to get to that point where they feel comfortable with calling themselves an artist saying that's, you know, what makes them happy, what makes them sort of, you know, that what's, that's like what makes them light up. So I think it's really cool that, you know, you're like, like you have this other thing going on, but you're like being an artist is what makes me who I am, which sounds, it sounds so cheesy, but I really do like that. And I also love that um, your story about when you were in kindergarten and your teacher was like, um, you know, she sings all day and it's just like who she is. And I think that it's so, it's always so good to have teachers at that age who, or teachers when you are that age, who will do that and who will encourage that. And maybe this is me, but I feel like sort of as you get older and as you like get to high school, the number of teachers who sort of promote that creativity kind of become less and less and less. So I don't know. That's just something that I feel like I noticed. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, I was really fortunate that I had a lot of people around me, even through my high school and college years, who really supported my artistic artistic expression. And part of that, I think, also is because I was choosing it in a way that felt still stable and safe because I chose the music ministry route. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that came with, you know, things like still being in a sort of a full-time job where you're earning a regular salary and, you know, you're employed by the church and those kinds of things. And so, you know, all those years of doing music ministry, it was always with this goal of you're going to get a full-time job when you graduate. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times what's so challenging for artists and especially independent artists is, you know, they try to do it all themselves. There's an entrepreneurial element to it. You know, we're building everything from scratch. And one thing that I've kind of been challenged by is in 2016 and 2017, when I made the decision to say, I'm going to still do music, I'm going to come back to music, but I'm now going to do it on my own terms. And I'm going to do it as an independent artist. It's amazing to me, the number of people who are like, oh, that's cute. You have this little side hustle, this little side hobby. Nobody really thinks about it as a business. You know, people don't Mm -hmm. think about it as a stable career choice because, um, it doesn't have that kind of natural stability or the infrastructure that a church music job might have, you know, or other things like that, or an artist who's signed to a label, you know, I think Mm -hmm. anybody who's done that, you know, that's awesome. Good for them. I think that that also comes with a certain kind of stability that independent artists are constantly having to kind of battle against and prove to themselves and to others that, you know, I can do this. This is a real job. Mm -hmm. You know, this takes actual work. It's not just something I do at the end of the day to relax. It's like, I finish my 
my work at my day job and then I'm jumping right back into work mode, but it's a completely different type of work. And I think a lot of times that's not fully understood. You're so right on that. Um, and now that you say that, actually, that something that I feel once people get to a certain age where it's kind of like expected that they find a full-time job or go into a trade or something, then anything like making music or being creative is just sort of, oh, so you do that in your free time. But you're right. It, there's an entrepreneurial aspect to it. Um, there's, I mean, there's a reason why it's called like show business, not just right. show. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's really something that a lot of people might not realize or recognize. And I also, like, I always believed that artists, you know, there are tons of people in this world that, you know, work really hard. I feel like artists have, have that like tenfold just because it's not just like, you know, putting in the work, putting in the effort, it's doing the same things even after maybe not getting an answer you wanted, or maybe um, really hoping that something was going to happen and like you thought it was going to happen, but then the last minute something like totally out of your control happened. So like, it's no longer happening. I feel like artists are definitely more, not accustomed, but we definitely have like a thicker skin because of it. And it's kind of like, not necessarily accurate to say that it's doesn't take a lot of time and effort because it, it definitely does. Absolutely. And we have to wear a lot of hats, right? So I think if oh, you're so hired on at a company, you know, like I have another job and I have my job description and I kind of stick to that job description. And there are occasionally times when a colleague will come and ask, you know, can you help with this? And as much as I love to help my coworkers, sometimes I have to put those boundaries up and say, actually, that's kind of outside of my area. I'm probably not the best person to help you with that. Why don't you go talk to this other person in this other department? But what I find to be true as an artist, especially somebody who is trying to build this into an income generating thing for myself, we have to be the boss, you know, the project manager, you know, you're the accountant, oh you're kind of doing every single area and there's really nobody else to do it for you until you get to the point where you have the means to maybe, you know, pay out other people mm -hmm. and, and hire on a team. I'm certainly not at that point yet. And so oh, me me, I'm, I'm doing it all. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm the artist and I'm, you know, the actual creative in the whole process where I'm doing the songwriting and I'm, um, you know, working on that content. But now I also have to be my own social media manager and manage all of my, um, mm -hmm. you know, Instagram and Facebook and whatever else, you know, those platforms. And a lot of times in other companies, you have a marketing team who does that for you. Or, you know, I'm having to teach myself graphic design because I have to be able to create that content for mm -hmm. my online spaces. And, um, you know, right now I'm not doing a whole lot of gigging because of COVID. So I'm pretty kind of homebound at the moment, but prior to that, I was also the one booking all of my gigs. So I had to come up with my elevator pitch to the venues and, you know, manage all of that as well as the financial aspects of everything that I was doing. So yeah, when people say, oh, that's cute. You have that little hobby. It's like, <laughs> there are people who do this for a hobby. And then there are people who 
do this as a business. And, and just because the, you know, the financial gain isn't quite there, uh, you know, when you're starting out, doesn't mean it doesn't take the same level of work, if not mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, to actually build something up and, and manage all of those aspects of the business. Oh, absolutely. I know that um, sometimes people like, like to your point where it's not just a hobby, it is a business. Sometimes people, I don't know, sometimes people have this weird thing where it's like you tell them you're an artist and then if they kind of sense that you're not at the point where you can like fully support yourself as an artist, they sort of discredit you as one, which isn't fair, first of all, and isn't true. So yeah, that's definitely something I feel like a lot of people have to navigate through. And a lot of times they have to navigate it on their own. I remember the first time that like I looked at like a contract specifically for something like arts related and it's just so different. And like you said, you really have to like teach yourself and you really have to go through it yourself and make sure that, you know, you understand like all of this, like all of this stuff that you're like signing away to and like, you know, and it's even like, it doesn't even makes sense kind of because you're just like what does that word mean what does this word mean <laughs> so right you kind of have to be your own legal expert too <laughs> oh my gosh you have to be you yeah. have to be everything and I think that a lot of people don't realize that you know it's not just as simple as a b c d it's like right. a subsection like two three four and five b subsection two three four and yeah, I think that you know artists like, especially at the point where, you know, I feel in the beginning or even, you know, a little farther along, it's like, you have to do stuff on your own. And it's really like kind of a learning curve. Like mm-hmm. there are some things that um, I know that I experienced like graphic design and like, I'm still not good at social media management. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not good at it at all, but it's just like, oh, like now I understand why there are teams of people behind, you know, celebrities and people who are, you know, really big in these entertainment industries. It's a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many components to it. And I think that, um, yeah, we just have to do so much and it's kind of exhausting at times. And one of the things that I find myself struggling with is where do you find the balance between managing the business aspect of it and managing the art side of it? Yeah. You know, because I would love to invest the majority of my time just doing the art side of it. I would love to just, you know, improve my music theory knowledge or, you know, continue writing and have lots of time built into my day where I'm just free writing and composing mm-hmm. and, you know, doing all of that. And as much as I love that, it's like, if you can't do the business side of it, your stuff is never going to get out there. It's just going to be you and your friends and, you know, your supporters and family who are probably going to hear it. So, yeah. So when you first um, sort of took on that role of there's a business aspect of this and I'm the one who has to be booking the gigs and I'm the one who has to be like managing, um, you know, the correspondence, the contracts, the payments, et cetera, et cetera sort of how did you, how did that, I guess, come to be? And how did you sort of um, approach it? Because I know that's something that a lot of people, when they first have to like do it, it's almost like they freeze because <laughs> it's right. just like so much. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a completely different skill set, right? So I think most people who are creatively inclined are that way for a reason, and they don't want to think about those other things because that's not really how we're wired. So I had to teach myself how to how to be wired in that way and start to navigate that stuff. And you know, I read a book a few years ago, um, and I th- and I think it's a blog post as well. But Mark Manson is the author, and he says, you know, what are you willing to struggle for? He kind of poses mm. that question, and so I had to ask myself okay, this is really hard and this is going to be way harder than doing this in a church capacity or any other sort of safer, you know, music Mm -hmm. option that I might come across. Am I willing to struggle for it? Is this something I'm willing to put in the work to do? And also who is around me who can speak encouragement and also practical knowledge and wisdom? into my life. And so, you know, I didn't know the first thing about music business. So I actually went to my, my former supervisor at my day job. So I work at a university and they do have music business classes and that sort of thing. So I just approached her one day and said, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, Do you know of resources? And she said, we offer a whole survey of music business class. Why don't you go take that? You as an employee of the university can do Um, a personal enrichment class that the university will pay for. So you don't even have to pay for it. You'd pretty much just have to pay for the textbook. And it would be a great way for you to network with people and and get an opportunity to do something that's kind of outside of your skill set as you're building this. And that was great. That class kind of changed my life because I was able to just learn from, you know, A to Z, really all the different areas of business within music and what that looks like for an independent artist. And the professor who taught the class, he and I are still friends today. He's, um, you know, he's worked with artists as an artist manager, and he's ran his own record label and, you know, done a lot of things where he has that practical experience. So I think for me, and what I would encourage other artists who are just getting off the ground you know, what I would say is go find those people, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like in your in your specific area or discipline. There's always somebody out there. And one thing that I have found to be really true in the music business, at least in my local um, kind of music scene, is people really want to help each other out. So I started yeah. to reach out to other songwriters that I knew. You know, I started talking to my guitar teacher, who's also an independent musician himself and has some experience with booking and all of those things and started to ask him questions like, how do I book a gig? I don't know what I'm doing. How does this work? You know? And he was great. And he had tons of knowledge to offer me and and supported me through that. So I think um, finding the right community and finding people Mm -hmm. who can come alongside of you and not just support your artistry, but support that infrastructure that you're trying to create is really, really important. And I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't have that support system behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Support systems are deaf. They're so important. They're definitely like something you don't, maybe not, you won't maybe like think of initially. Um, but also it's what I loved about what you just said about, you know, going to the university and like finding the person who, um, pointed you towards the music business classes. It sort of like started as just, you know, you went to someone you knew had some knowledge on a topic and you asked them a question and 
things just sort of grew from there. And it sounds like you naturally just began networking and networking is always like such a scary word. People are like, oh, I don't know how to network. What do you mean networking? Like I have to like give someone my business card kind of thing. Um, but you just sort of proved that it doesn't have to be that. You can just, like you said, go to someone who you know, mm-hmm. who has the answers that you're looking for and things will just organically go from there. And yeah, I think that sometimes what happens is that people are, you know, they're on this like journey and they want to, you know, become, you know, whatever their next goal is, but they just get so stuck at how do I do this? It's like, they know what to do, but it's the, how do I do this kind of that gets them. And if they just sort of like realize that the answer is kind of like within their own social circle or it's within like you said maybe a teacher or maybe someone who you work with who you know has like experience in it um I think that when sort of networking and building connections is posed in that way it becomes a lot easier to sort of wrap your head around and you're like oh, I just have to go talk to someone that I see in class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. I can do that. And it just becomes like so much easier. So yeah, I'm definitely an introvert, you know, naturally. (laughs) And so, um, which is interesting because I'm in a profession where you're kind of publicly putting yourself out there all the time. But, you know, I think one thing that I found really helpful for me in the networking space was structured networking. So I'm not great about just kind of cold calling or, you know, selling myself in that way to people that I've never interacted with. But that's why going to my boss at the time and saying, hey, we already have a relationship. You already know that I'm interested in moving my career in this direction. And she was really supportive of it. Um, mm-hmm. And um you know, she was able to kind of rack her brain and say, okay, who do I know? What tools or resources do I know of that I can maybe offer to Jess that would help her out? And so, you know, she knows my personality type and was able to say, I think a class would benefit you rather than just sending you into some free for all networking event, you know, Mm -hmm. where there are other musicians. And I've done my share of that as well, you know, just to try to push myself out of my comfort zone but I think my best relationships and my best networking connections have come out of things like that class or have come out of things like structured guitar lessons every week where I'm you know, building relationships with individuals on an ongoing basis. And it's not just, hey, go, you know, here's a link to my stuff, go listen to my music. Um, it was a lot more organic in that way mm-hmm. and it felt more comfortable for me. So I would say, you know, find things, you know, you do want to push yourself out of your comfort zone to a certain degree. And there has to be that balance. Cause if you never push yourself out of your comfort zone, you just won't reach the goals that you want to reach. But that being said, I also think there's something really important about finding things that work for you. So for me, it was, you know, an, an organized class where I could be mm-hmm. in a structured classroom environment and, you know, for somebody else, it might be something else. If there's, you know, somebody in the acting space, for example, go take an improv class or, you know, do something that just puts you in the orbit of other people that you want to be around where you can participate Mm -hmm. and start to really know people instead of just cold calling or handing your business card out. That's just going to get chucked into some (laughs) pile by some executive at the end of the day. 
Yeah, no, that actually, that makes so much sense um, because I think about it and it's like, you know, like you said about relationships and building them and sort of almost like getting a referral system kind of right. like that works so more effectively, I feel just because, you know, it's people who, you know, maybe some like maybe two degrees of separation away from you, but like they trust the two people in between. And right. so they're more willing to, you know, take a, take a listen than if someone were to just like stop me on the street and be like, Hey, so I do this. Um, like here's, like you said, here's my car. Like I'm, I don't want that. I'll take it, but I'm not right. going to ever look at it. Cause I don't know who you are. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's really interesting. Um, it kind of reminds me of, um, I heard a story about how someone was sort of in a similar situation where they were just, you know, doing a lot of cold calling or cold calling, cold emailing, cold, whatever it ended up being. Um, And they just like, they didn't understand like why there was no sort of response back. But I think that, you know, it just goes to show that being able to, like you said, put yourself out there and just try and see what happens. Um, is going to be so beneficial for your confidence, so beneficial for, you know, what you end up feeling like, you know, you can do. Um, And then when it does get to the point where, you know, you have this referral from someone, you just are a lot more comfortable with being like, yeah, like, here you go. I've already like sent my, you know, demo to 40 strangers. Here's my demo. I hope you like it kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you just have to ask too. And I think also it's so easy to give up when you do get a no and, and start to take that personally. And that was something I had to learn to really reject was that if someone's not ready to listen to my music or didn't like it, it's like, it's just not for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just move on to the next person or I come back a year later and see where they are. Um, I actually just finished uh, recording a single that is not out yet, but Um, it was a collaborative effort with another artist that I don't know personally. She lives in LA, but I was just a fan of her music. And somehow over the last couple of years, I think just from being kind of insistently involved in her social media, where I was, you know, liking her posts and commenting and whatever, she ended up following me back. And it was like, you know, this moment where like, oh my gosh, this person, you know, I was really excited about it. And then I just kind of started connecting with her and eventually sent her DM and said, Hey, I'm working on the song. Would you have any interest in hearing this demo? Um, we're going into production probably in the next couple of months. And I already had a producer on board by that point. And, um, you know, I don't know how we would make it work logistically, but I'm sure we can figure something Mm -hmm. out. And would you have any interest in singing on the track? And, uh, she wrote me back right away and said, yes, just email it to me. And I, you know, had to go into it knowing that like, she might say no. And I have Mm -hmm. to learn to not take that personally and just realize that it wasn't a good fit. And it, you know, the timing maybe wasn't right for her to be the one to come on to this project. But to my surprise, she was like, I'm in, let's do it. You know, we we just ended up recording this great song together, which we're probably going to put out in the next few months. Um, But I'm really excited about it. And it was literally from just putting myself out there. And, but also, like I said, 
kind of building that network beforehand where, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't do it with the intention of, oh, I hope I get her on a song someday. It was Mm -hmm. very much just like, I like what you're doing. I support your work. I'm excited about the content you're creating. So I'm going to engage with that. But over that repetition and those months of kind of building that up, then I was able to reach out and say, hey, I'm doing this project. Do you want to get involved with it? And she, she was on board. I love that because it's, it's exactly sort of what you know, that's like a real life example of what we just like talked about. You like did this organic, like quote unquote networking when, which really was just like liking it and just like commenting on her social media posts, which, you know, is not scary. Um, and then you were able to ask and, you know, I feel like that if just right out of the gate, if you'd like hit follow and then sent like, do you want to record a demo with me or like a song with me? She probably been like, I don't know who you are. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, uh, I also love what you were saying about the rejection because rejection I know is something it's like, it's a huge part of life, but I feel like it's a huge part of our industry, especially just like the entertainment industry in general. Um, and I feel like people have these misconceptions that being rejected must not, it means like, you know, something like either you're not good at what you're doing, or, you know, that means that you're not cut out for, you know, whatever you're trying to do. But I think that like, we can't look at rejection as someone telling us like, no, you're not good at this. And um, I know for like theater and acting, it's like, you can get rejected for a million different things that aren't your, like that aren't in your control. So how have you sort of, if you don't mind me asking, like, how have you sort of like worked through that? Cause I know that's like a huge, huge thing. Yeah. A lot of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, you know, that's such a great question and I think I'm still working through it, but I think for me, again, going back to this idea of community, it's really come down to surrounding myself with people who genuinely believe in what I'm doing and who can give me both the constructive criticism as well as the praise. And so, you know, I don't think you want to only surround yourself with people who are like, everything you're doing is great. And, you know, there's no room for improvement because that's not really true. We all have room for improvement. But I think Mm -hmm. for me, having those people who can say, okay, you did that fine. Here's a suggestion on how to do it better, who then also support me and say, okay, that here is an example of something you did really well. And having that balance has given me those sounding boards to come back to so that when I do get rejected, I'm on my phone texting those individuals saying, oh, this didn't pan out. And they're able to say, here are the million reasons why maybe it didn't pan out. It's not you. Cause I think we are sometimes so harsh on ourselves and it's mm-hmm. so easy to just think, like you said, there's a million other reasons why something might not have worked out. Um, you know, and yet we kind of come down on ourselves and say, ah, it's cause I did this or I did that. And that's why this thing didn't work out. So kind of being able to look beyond myself to my community and being able to look to trusted friends and colleagues and say, you know, here's something I really wanted that didn't work out. Help me process this has been really helpful for me because they're able to bring a perspective that I probably would never come up with on my own. 
And then the other thing that I would say is that music business professor that I mentioned, um, something that he said in his class that has really stuck with me for the last few years, he said, find your favor. And so, you know, your favor is going to look different than someone else's. So if someone else is getting successful or, or being able to do something that you are trying so hard to do, you have to recognize that maybe it's not your time or that your success, your favor is going to look different than what theirs did. And so for me, that was a really freeing realization. And it's something I kind of repeat almost like a mantra to myself on a regular basis, where it's like, if I got rejected from this thing, it's because that favor was not meant for me. I got to go find it somewhere else, you know, Mm -hmm. through another avenue and also creating my own favor, you know? So if, if someone rejected me and said no, or didn't like my music, there are all these other people and other opportunities out there where um, it, it might be received differently. So learning to kind of balance that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Find your favorite. I've never heard of that before. Um, I've definitely heard like iterations of sort of like, like what, like what you can take from the find your favor idea. So that's, that's awesome because I think that sometimes we'll get too caught up in, oh, but like this was perfect. And I felt so good about like that meeting or I had like my, I felt like that audition went so well. And then it's like, you know, you get that email and it's like, we're going to have to pass or unfortunately, like we can't do this at that time. And it's just like, I like, you know, in that moment, you're like kind of like crushed because it's definitely happened to me before where I'm like, absolutely really wanted that. And I worked really hard kind of thing, but yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in things happening for a reason. And I know that's kind of like a cliche thing to say, um, but I can say with all honesty that the big things that have sort of happened up until like, you know, COVID and everything, the big things that I really wanted that I didn't end up being able to pursue um, were replaced by things that were sort of like on my list of things that I wanted to also do. And so it was like the things on the list kind of like got moved around and I got to do things before I thought I was able going to be able to do them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, even the pandemic itself has been such a great reminder to all of us that like, we don't control everything. And oh yeah, no, we don't. You know, as, much as, we, <laughs> as much as we're throwing ourselves into this work, I think, you know, the greatest thing that I've learned from this whole experience is, um, I have to be adaptable and I also have to constantly be shifting my thinking when it comes to opportunity, because I think um, it would have been so easy to just say, oh no, gigs are canceled or venues are closing or, you know, whatever's happening, I guess this isn't meant to be. And so I had to start kind of reframing that thinking and say, okay, but where are the opportunities? What are other Mm -hmm. things I could be doing during this season so like you said, kind of shifting things on your list, I'm in the process of recording my EP right now, which is not something I planned to do this year. I kind of in 2020, early on in 2020, thought to myself, you know, 2020 and 2021 are going to be the years where I'm just gigging a lot and I'm out there playing as much as I can and <clears throat> continuing to build those networks. And that way, recording is not something that's going to be a high priority for me. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm doing the exact opposite of that, but I've learned so much from the experience and Mm -hmm. I'm working with really talented musicians and 
a producer who's like phenomenal and just has taken my music to the next level. And I was talking to another producer friend of mine who's done quite a bit of collaborating with me over the years. Um, you know, and he said to me, he goes, now that you're going to have this EP done, when you do get to the point where you feel comfortable gigging again, you can actually pitch your music in a lot better way because you're going to have these really refined uh, recordings to offer. And that's probably actually going to help you get gigs and also get musicians who want to play for your backup band. You know, I do most things solo, but I've always wanted to play with a band. And, um, you know, I did a lot of band stuff when I was in church music, but haven't really done as much of it since I've moved into the independent space. And he said to me, you know, you're going to have this option of now giving these recordings to potential musicians and saying, here, learn these parts. And that's all done and, and ready to go for you, which is not something you would have done in 2020 had you been focusing all of your efforts on solo gigging. So, um, you know, there are opportunities. We just have to seek them out and also be mm-hmm. willing to be adaptable and and kind of reframe our thinking sometimes because I think everything is an opportunity to teach us something. Um, and I think as entrepreneurs, there's always going to be something that didn't turn out the way you anticipated or planned for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more you can kind of learn from that and, and go with it and just kind of run with whatever comes your way is a really important thing to have as an entrepreneur. Oh, absolutely. And also, I really like what you said about seeking out your own opportunities, because right. I think sometimes what happens is that when people like start out and whatever, you know, whatever they're doing, it's kind of like, here I am. And like, that's the industry that I want to be part of. So the industry kind of becomes like this thing that can give you those opportunities. And it's sort of maybe like in the beginning, you might feel that you can only become successful, whatever that looks like to you by doing you know, these things that maybe sort of trickle through every now and again, but there's so much power in finding your own opportunities and going after your own opportunities and creating your own stuff. And I think that's one of the, um, sort of like a newer thing that people have realized is that, you know, we don't need the, like, we don't need like, you know, the big, like the big wigs essentially to tell us this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Um, I think a really like big example of this is a lot of TV shows that have started off on like YouTube and that have caught the attention of like these bigger networks. Um, And then they're like, you know, on TV. And if that's not creating your own opportunity, I don't know what is. Absolutely. When you said that, I immediately thought of uh, Colleen Ballinger, who does the Miranda Sings character. I don't know oh, if you're yeah. familiar with that, but you know, she landed a Netflix like two season series as a result of a YouTube career. You know, and I, I remember her saying on some of her YouTube videos in the past that people thought, "Who's this weird girl who does this weird character?" You know, it was so out there. But she was so invested and passionate in that and really mm-hmm. wanted to get it off the ground. And it's opened massive doors for her. And she's really done it in kind of her own way. So I really have a lot of respect for people who are willing to go after it and do that. And I think that um, that's a great example of that happening. It does happen for people. 
Yeah. And there's no like one way to right. do something. There's no like one linear path that you can be like, if you just do this, then eventually you'll get there. Um, it's, it's not that. And I don't know anyone who's ever had the same path as someone else in this industry, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So before we sort of wrap up here, the last question I wanted to ask was what sort of advice would you give to someone? Like if someone came up to you and if they were like, I want to do what you're doing, where should I start? Like, what would you say to them? I would say, uh, be patient with yourself because it's going to take a lot of hard work and there are going to be days where you don't really want to show up and it's really hard Mm -hmm. because you don't see the immediate results. And so you really have to pace yourself and be patient. And then, like I said earlier, I think surrounding yourself with people who have the knowledge that you wish to gain is so essential to this work. So, you know, if you don't know something about accounting or bookkeeping or, you know, those kinds of things, things that you're going to have to be able to do as an independent creator and artist, mm-hmm. go find those people, you know? And, and like I said, it's amazing to me how sometimes when you just ask, people are so willing, but you have to ask. People are ready yeah. to share that knowledge, but we get in our heads about it and think, I have to figure it all out on my own. You don't have to figure it all out on your own. Go seek out the resources and the tools and the people who want to come alongside of you, who believe in what you're doing and start picking their brains, you know, and, um, you know, then you can really start to build something and you have that support network around you. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. There's everything you said there. I 100% agree with, I was like, what, I was like, is there anything else that like, you know, maybe that, you know, I don't know, people, would not expect to hear, but I feel like you hit all of those points. Um, yeah. Patience. Yeah. So big. (laughs) So big. I don't think you realize how much patience you have until, you know, you're sort of out there and you're like, I, I, this is what I want to do. I just gotta, just gotta be patient and do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jess, thank you so much for, um, being on the podcast and for being our first guest. I'm super excited we were able to chat. Thanks so much for having me. This was great fun. I enjoyed being here. Awesome. Uh, Okay. So before we go, um, where can people find you on like social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is jesspillaymusic.com. So Pillay is P-I-L-L-A-Y. That's how you spell my last name. And then at just play music on all the socials. So Instagram, Twitter, all of those places. Okay. Awesome. And those will also be, um, all that information will be in the show notes too. Great. So thank you so much, Jess. It was so great having you on. Thank you. That was Jess Pillay, who I had such a wonderful time chatting with and talking to. And yeah, I'm super happy that you all were able to listen to this episode. Um, Jess does already have music out and you can find her music, you know, wherever you listen to music. Um, There's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Bandcamp. And I'll um, also make sure to link that in the show notes below. So again, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Go follow Jess on, um, you know, her socials and all that stuff, and I will see you in the next episode.